All right. Y'all can sit down. Thank y'all. It's been a pleasure. If you were here in the first service, you got tears. I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job of holding it together right now. So um, let's pray, and then we will uh, read our scripture. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. In your grace, you have given us your word. By your word, you reveal yourself. As if that weren't enough, you, by your grace, sent your son to fully reveal yourself. And now, Lord, through your word, you have also given us this last book. And as we draw to the end, you have revealed things that would soon take place. So, Lord, we ask for your help now. Open our hearts. Open our eyes and our minds so that we might behold wondrous things out of your word and we might see Christ as he truly is as he reveals things to us that might soon take place we ask this in his mighty and powerful name amen all right church we're going to be in revelation 21 Starting in verse 1, and let's, let's stand for the reading of God's word. The Apostle John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the 12 and at the gates 12 angels and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south three gates and on the west three gates and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured the wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then 
the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is God's holy and authoritative and true word. Cross of grace, let's be seated. So, my wife, who is a very smart and gifted woman uh, told me after the first service, she said, um, hey, what, what you're doing today is you're, you're, you're really helping us to behold what it's going to be like. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And she's like, okay, all the pictures of the James Webb telescope, like, like we can look at the stars, right? Like, we can look at the stars and go, oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. But when we see these new pictures coming out of the James Webb telescope, it makes you go, oh, whoa. Like, what, what, what you think is just this, this little star, it might, in fact, be a galaxy, right? And, and so you may think today at some point, we, okay, Vince, we get it. We get it. It's going to be cool. It's going to be amazing. The, the, the goal of this sermon is to help us to behold what the Lord will do one day. Okay? And we all know that the world is not as it should be, right? Like, we know this. We, we all desire a better place, and, and we see this in... The, the, the impulses and the actions that we undertake, right? We seek to end suffering when we see it. We attempt to reverse any damage that mankind may, may inflict upon the earth, right? We, we try to limit the effects of sin and hurt, but they're often fruitless. We do this because we know deep in our bones that this place is not what it should be. The longings and the attempts for a better world reveal that. And the seven churches in the letter of Revelation, uh, that the letter of Revelation was given to, uh, they are reeling from the effects of sin on this world. They're dealing with high levels of persecution, lots of death, threats from within the church and without sin within the church even. And the questions that go along with that. 
to those churches, Revelation 21 comes as a hope-filled message that things will not be this way forever. It holds out hope that the church will be forever and that that forever is bright and glorious and filled with God's presence. This chapter holds out the truth for them and us that Jesus makes all things new in order to dwell with his people forever. That is what we long for. That is what we crave. It is what we need. The newness that only Christ can affect. See, we, we're going to see this in three kind of areas that, that he makes new. We're, we're going to see a renewed place, a renewed people, and finally a renewed purpose. See, there has to be a renewed place where his renewed people can dwell. There, there has to be a place fit for something new. And then his people need to be remade. Because even though we've been regenerated and given spiritual life, sin still clings. We need to be remade in such a way that, that, that the temptations to sin and, and sin itself will be shed. And those things lead us to a renewed purpose where we will worship and serve our God and reign with him forever and ever. And those things, like I say, combine to show us Jesus makes all things new in order to dwell with his people forever. So, so jumping in, the renewed place, verses 1 through 8. There's a place that is made for the city to sit. And John says it's a new heaven and a new earth because the old had passed away and the sea was no more. So what does this mean? Does this mean that like the earth has been destroyed and, and had to be remade and, and like, like just like it was at the beginning? Well, I don't think it does. The word that is used here really speaks to, to saying like a renewal has taken place. It, it's not a word that would... would communicate kind of this, this ex nihilo creation. No, it's been remade. It's been renewed, if you will, into something far better than it was. We see this not only in, in this, you know, hey, like behold, I'm making, I mean, sorry, not, not only in the wording here where, where it says, then I saw a new, but also later in these verses. But it's also an idea that we see in Scripture, right? We see it in Scripture where, where we read about it's being freed from its bondage and how creation is groaning until such a time that the sun would appear and free it from its bondage and groaning. We read of the place where righteousness will dwell, where the perishable is made imperishable. So it's not a, it's not a total buy and, and making something different, it's remaking what was already there. This remaking of the created order to be something that is free from the decay and corruption that sin brought with it. And then John saw a new Jerusalem coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. And then 
this glorious declaration of God's intended purpose with this renewal. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God will dwell with man. You know, the word used there as dwell is tabernacle. For those of us who, who have read our Bibles and, and, and Exodus, um, uh, we, that, that word rings a bell, doesn't it? It makes you think back to after God freed his people from slavery in Egypt and then he brought them to the wilderness and he said, what? He said, build this tent. And it was the place where the people would go and meet with God. (laughs) The tabernacle symbolized not only the meeting place, but also God dwelling with his people and caring for them, providing them with bread, with meat, with water, with his presence most especially. (laughs) And he will tabernacle with us. He will pitch his tent with us in the new heavens and the new earth. And, And look at how new they are. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You know, in trying to describe heaven, even the Holy Spirit, the perfect one, is struggling with language. It's hard to say, this is what it will be like. It's more characterized in the negative. This is what it will not be like. And crying and pain and death and mourning are so prevalent here, aren't they? They're everywhere you look. Every day I look in the mirror, I see death coming. We're, we're all getting older. If, if you don't look in the mirror and see it's coming, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> it's coming. You can't get away with it. And the Lord says, that stuff's not going to be there. It's gone. Gone. The former things have passed away. Crying, you're not going to do that. Mourning, you're not going to do that. Death, you're not going to do that either. Man. You see, though, why the the old heavens and earth had to pass away and be remade. The sin and death and corruption marred creation could not handle the holiness of God setting foot on it. If God is going to dwell with His people, if He came down to this world before remaking it, it would be done away with. It would be destroyed. It would cease to exist. Why? Because God and His consuming fire would have consumed it had to be remade. Wow. Thanks, Siri. He would have, it would have ended. 
But it had to be remade because it's now a dwelling place of God with man where God will wipe away the tears from all eyes, death and mourning and crying. They will be no more. Why? The former things have passed away. And then we see this phrase, it is done. Really, it should be more like they have come into being. Okay? Like, like they have come into being. And, and what has come into being? Well, the old things, right? Behold, I am making all things new. What does that mean? Everything. Every single thing you can think of. Everything you can imagine that exists right now had to be remade. And then before he says that, though, what does he say? Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. And then he says, they have all come into being. The same one who has all authority in heaven and earth, who had authority to lay his life down and authority to take it up again. That one who hung on the cross and yelled out, it is finished. That one now says these Words are trustworthy and true. They have come into being. You see, to the hurting church, the Lord says, one day, you won't be hurting. One day, it will all be over. One day, you will drink living water and be refreshed for all time. One day the suffering will end. These words are trustworthy and true. It is done. What a day that will be. And it will be the same as true for us. Like we can look around and we see the discord and the chaos and the rebellion and pain that sin causes in this world, right? And one day, one day it will be remade and the Lord will give us living water with no cost and He will wipe away the tears from our eyes as a father does his child and He will dwell with us in peace. Take heart, Jesus says. These words are trustworthy and true. It will be done and be forever changed one day. He'll remove sin, do away with death, wipe tears away, and make not only the world new, but you as well. He's making a new place because Jesus makes all things new in order to dwell with his people forever. And you, you may have recoiled a bit at verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. After the apostle Paul lays out a very similar list. What does he say? 
as such were some of you. If you recoil from that verse, you can be remade. You can be made new. You can come to Christ with faith, in faith, through repenting of your sins and looking to His death on the cross to pay for your sins and to renew you. And one day, He will finally remake you. Just as we've read here. Come to him today if you recoiled from that verse. Because as such was I. As such were some of you. Scripture would say as such was everyone. All of us fit that one of those categories. And if you can hear my voice here today, I am confident that the Lord is calling you to himself. He wouldn't have you here to hear the gospel. So don't recoil. Repent. Repent. And become one of the renewed people of God that we are now moving to. This, this next section, verses 9 through 27, are, are describing the new Jerusalem. But, and, but earlier we saw it referred to as the bride, right? Adorned for her husband. And I think the descriptions of the radiance of this, this city are symbolic of the radiance of the people of God. Now, why do I say that? Well, for one, because it said the bride coming down for her husband. And for two, earlier in the book, we see Babylon described. And Babylon is the summary of all of the enemies of God, all of those who are arrayed against God, who have set themselves up against God. And so here, this description is contra that description. It's saying, we've seen what Babylon is like. Let's look at what the bride is like. And she is amazing. And the first thing we see of this amazing bride is the glory of God. The people of God come down with God's glory. The radiance like a most rare jewel, like a clear jasper. Now the interesting thing about the grammatical structure here is, is the, the, the tense used. Okay, It's, it's not really like saying a, a glory from God. Like the, the, the structure used is tells you the type of glory. And what type of glory is it? It's the God glory. It's not glory from God or like a, a glory that God maybe shines on. No, this is God's glory. It is the same type of glory that God has. The one who said, I will not share my glory with another. He freely gives it to his bride. She comes down with the God glory. The remade bride comes with the God glory. What grace. And the walls have 12 gates with the names of the 12 sons of Israel on them. And the foundations of the walls have the names of the 12 apostles on them. 
What, why is that important? This is, this is the holy, reconstituted people of God. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. We could say B.C. saints, A.D. saints, right? Like these are, these are all of God's people from all of history. Those who looked forward to the Messiah coming and those who saw the Messiah coming and then those who look back from to where the Messiah came. Why? Because they were all looking to Jesus. Every single one of them. This is the fulfillment of God's promise to his people from the beginning to redeem them from sin and dwell with them. The people of God may have gone through suffering and pain in the world, but in the new heavenly Jerusalem, they are secured surrounded by a high wall that is built on a secure foundation that the Lord Himself laid with the apostles and the prophets and the kings and Moses. Those are the things that, that secure His people, His word, His law, the record of His dealings with mankind, one could say. God finally and fully renews his people and sets them in a renewed place and dwells with them. And the measurements of this city are, are just, mag like they are monumental, okay? In proportions, they match the cubic nature of the Holy of Holies, both in the tabernacle and in the temple, okay? Now, what's the Holy of Holies? That is where God's presence was said to dwell. And only one guy could go in there, remember? The high priest. And he could only go once a year, right? And he had to take very special precautions in doing so. And, and tradition says that he would tie a rope around his ankle so that if he was struck dead because of his sin, the people could pull him back out. And now... the whole city matches the proportions of the Holy of Holies. That means everywhere God's people are, they can access. All of the people of God can access God at any time in this new heavens and new earth. Then in the new Jerusalem, we come into God's presence finally and fully, and we don't have to tie a rope around our ankle anymore. Jesus has done all the preparation work for us. We don't have to go through the rites and do all of the deeds and make sure that we confessed every single sin before we go into there or we'll be struck dead and have to be pulled out. No, Jesus has forgiven every single sin and then He remakes us. And we are allowed unfettered access to the presence of God. All the people who come into the city, that is the people of God, will meet with God themselves. And the dimensions of the city and the heights of the walls are, are multiples of 12. Again, Old New Testament coming together. God fulfilling the promises. And the dimensions expressed here are, again, symbolic of the sheer number of people. 
12,000 stadia. That's a long way. 1,380 miles. So 1,380 by 1,380 by 1,380. That, this is a huge cube, okay? This, this holy of holies is massive. 1,380 miles. I don't even know how far that goes up into space, but a ways, okay? Like, and, and why so big? Because God is saying, the number of my people, no one can count. And we've seen that refrain over and over and over. It is a huge number of people that the Lamb has redeemed, that have washed their robes in His blood, and, and, and no one can count them, but God can. And He knows every single one of them intimately and deeply and he has saved each and every one of them and he brings us all together to this new heaven and new earth and this new Jerusalem through the blood of the lamb where we would meet with him after having washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb to make them white. And look at them. Look at how dazzling they are. Look at the adornment of the city. The, the gemstones match the same gemstones that would have been woven into the, the holy vestments that the priests of Israel would have worn. This is priestly language. He, he is saying, you will be priests. The priesthood of all believers, we are now serving the Lord in the holy of holies. Every single person there. And not only that, they're associated with Eden as well. So he's saying, hey, hey, not just is it going to be like as good as it was during like Solomon's golden age. No, that was pretty cool. That was pretty good. I'm sure they had some very good looking robes then. They, they sound amazing when you read through the Old Testament. But he's saying, no, 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 no. These gemstones are also line up with Eden. Before sin came in, that's how good it's going to be. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine it, church? And the bride is resplendent, adorned with costly gemstones and pearls. And everything is set off with this glittering gold that's clear. I don't know what clear gold looks like, but I can't wait to see it. Showing the costliness of the people bought with the blood of the Lamb. We, the glory and image of God, we will lack nothing except the sin that made our salvation necessary. And we will also have something else added to that. We'll have the righteous deeds that Jesus himself marked out for us to walk in before the foundation of the world. So we get, 
We get the righteousness of Christ that he exchanged with us for our sin. And we also get the righteous deeds that he calls us to walk in. Now, while this sounds marvelous as described here, we've got to remember that, that God condescends to his creatures in language. Okay, and, and, and the limitations of language, even language under the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, even language breathed out by God has its limitations. And so just like when you take a picture of an amazing sunset and you go, Ricky, look at this picture. And Ricky goes, it looks good. It's like, no, no, it was, it was amazing. This is a picture of what will actually be. The reality is going to be far more amazing, I think. It's, it's going to be a sight. And finally, John tells the churches, there's no temple there. There's no temple. Now, I think Revelation was written at a time that the temple has been destroyed previously. And so John saying, hey, there is no, not the, the, the temple is not going to be in the, the, the heavenly city either is his way of saying, guys, we don't need it. It's gone. It will not be rebuilt. It, will, we, we don't, it won't even be rebuilt in glory because we don't need it. God the Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. The temple is where we would meet with God and God is saying, there's no need for that. I'm going to meet with you in the new heavens and the new earth and in the new Jerusalem. God has a renewed place and he sets his renewed people in that place so that he might dwell with them. He renews his people and makes them fully and finally clean and they bring their glory in and give it to the Lamb. The, the, names, the names written in blood by the pen of faith dipped into the blood of the covenant of the Lamb whose eternal mission was to save his people. See, this happened at the cross, but it's fully realized in the new heavens and the new earth. What a Savior. What a Savior. And he doesn't stop there. He gives us a renewed purpose. Chapter 22, 1 through 5. And in two words, we could say our, our, new, our renewed purpose is worship and reign. Again, this, this scene invokes images of Eden and the garden. There's the river of life, right? It, it, Eden had three rivers that it was set between. And water always means life. But here's the water, the river of the water of life. And, 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 the, <laughs> and dude, what did Jesus say? He will give us water to drink that will well up into eternal life. He will give us water of life that wells up to eternal life. 
The water flows from the throne of God and the Lamb since they are the temple here. See, Ezekiel saw the water running from the threshold of the door of the temple. But here it runs from the throne. Why? Because there is no temple. There's no need of a temple. God and the Lamb are the temple. And so the water flows from where they sit. There's the tree of life. Which the last time we were in the garden in Scripture, what happened? They were driven out lest they reach out and take hold of the fruit of the tree of life. And then there were two cherubim set there with a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. There are no cherubim here. The tree of life is open. There's, there, there's almost an invitation there, one could say. The curse of sin will be removed and nothing accursed will be there. And this tree of life, its purpose, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. It's been realized as well. The nations have been renewed, remade. We are now going to be bringing our glory into the holy city and handing it over to the Lamb. Not only though <laughs> will we worship Him for all eternity in the place that He's drawn us together, we will see God's face. We will see God's face. In Exodus, the Lord tells Moses that none may see his face and live. Yet when the work of sanctification is brought finally to glorification and, and, and the Lord is done bringing us into this, this full state where we, where we are really bearing the image of God, we can see God's face and we don't die. I think as amazing as this passage is, and there's a lot of just amazing stuff there. For instance, what does clear gold look like? Again, I just like, ah. The, the, the biggest blessing for the people of God, I think, is to see God's face and not be struck dead. We will see His face forever. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And, and we will see his face forever, never with a fear of death. And finally, there will be no need of sun or lamp since God will be our light. And by his light, we will reign forever and ever. This may seem strange at first reading. Why? Because, well, God is the Almighty and the ruler and Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. So how do we reign? Well, as it was in the beginning, so it will be at the end. Only better. You see, in, in, in the garden, we were made in God's image. That, that's a kingly notion there. Okay, to be made it, to come in the king's image means to come in the king's authority and to come in his rulership. We were to rule over the animals and we were to take God's creation and steward it well and expand it upon the earth. 
and we fell into sin. And our mission was frustrated. You could say we abdicated our rule and our throne to Satan. But now God has not only remade the world and us, he has renewed our ability to rule and reign with him in righteousness. A renewed purpose. And we will do it rightly this time because he is our light and that light gives wisdom. You may be sitting here thinking, sounds great, Vince, but so what? Like, how does that really matter? July 17th, 2022. Well, to get there, we first have to think of why it mattered to the churches in the first century. So they're in a hostile world, in a hostile place. See, Rome had made an exception to the Jews, right? Rome said, hey, you will worship our gods. You will bow down to our gods. You will even bow down to Caesar. And the Jews are like, you're going to have to wipe us out. We are not doing that. We have been judged for our idolatry, and we will not bow to an idol. And the Romans were like, okay, all right, Jews. We will make an exception. You guys can be monotheists and just worship your God. I don't see why you wouldn't want to worship other gods, but okay, sure. And then when Christianity came upon the scene after Christ's ministry, death, and resurrection, we were called the way, right? And the Romans looked at that and said, well, that's just a sect of Judaism. And before long, the Jews were like, no, 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 no. They are not part of us. They are making trouble for us and for you. Y- y'all need to do something about it. We're actually going to start doing something about it. You may have heard of a guy, Saul of Tarsus. You remember when he started persecuting those of the way, persecuting the church? And then the Romans were like, hey, that's a good idea. We only made an exception for y'all. Because we didn't want to wipe y'all out, but whoever this new upstart people are, gone. Then there were also false teachers coming in to the churches. Guys, the, the churches are being ruled and tossed about by everyone and everything. They are powerless to stop the persecution. They were maligned, ridiculed, killed with the sword, burned alive, boiled in oil. Later, they will be put inside of a bronze bull and roasted alive. They are powerless. Those ruling and reigning were hostile to the church, and it was no secret. And then Jesus comes with this letter to the seven churches and ends it with this glorious vision of the church victorious. Not only will the death and destruction end, but the church itself will one day be reigning and ruling. What? Those who are in power will be thrown into the lake of fire along with the dragon and the beast and the false prophet who empower them. And the church will reign with Christ forever and ever. That's That is the the backdrop that Christ sent this letter to. There are some similarities with today, right? Living in America, we may think persecution, like, well, sometimes we actually go the other way and we think persecution is being called names. 
I guess it's on the, on the continuum, on the spectrum of persecution. But no, there are, there are places in the world today where being a Christian, you will be killed. You will be beheaded. You will have acid thrown on you. You may be burned alive still today. Yes, in 2022. And then we've, we've got some, some kind of rumblings today, right? Even in America, where, where we have a more hostile culture to Christianity. Uh, we're called things like bigots or homophobes. And, and actors say like, oh, well, those people are all just going to pass away like the dinosaurs. And they also say other things that I cannot repeat from the pulpit. But one day, One day, that will change. One day, Christ will throw all of his enemies into the lake of fire and his people will reign. They reign not through government interaction or power. They reign not through military conquest and might. No, they reign not through through sheer like, like intellectual superiority. No, they reign through Christ and His victory. And His victory was achieved by dying on a cross, vanquishing sin, vanquishing the devil, overcoming hell, and saving His people so that one day, one day, He could renew world. He could renew us. He could renew our purpose. And he would dwell with us and we would reign with him. Jesus makes all things new in order to dwell with his people forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this chapter. Thank you, Lord, for this book of revelation, this this book that tells us of the things that must soon take place. Thank you that while we are looking forward to the things that would soon take place, we can be encouraged today in the hardship. Lord, let us... I believe it was Martin Luther who said, Lord, let us, I live this day in light of that day. Lord, let us live this day with all of its hardships that that may come our way in light of that day. When we will be renewed and put in a renewed place, given a renewed purpose. Lord, for those who are here today and don't know you, And they read those verses with fear and trepidation. Father, I pray you are working, working the miracle of regeneration right now. Lord, that that through the proclamation of the gospel, their hearts would be made alive and faith would be stirred into existence. And the first action of that faith would be repentance and trust. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.